Welcome to, uh, to Calvary Church. My name is Dan. It's good to have you here. Tonight we are continuing what we believe. This is a part of Equip. Equip is our strategy to help us all become mature believers. We have really grabbed hold of the fact in the last several months that we have a purpose. That is to help everyone become a mature believer of Christ. So that's what this is all about. We thought let's start with the basics. We've been doing what we believe on Wednesday nights. We're going to continue um, with what we've been doing. If, if you recall, we, what we've talked about so far is we've talked about Scripture being inspired. We've talked about the one true God. We've talked about the deity of Christ. And last week, we talked about the fall of man. That was the feel-good message for this series. And as I promised you last week, this week we're going to talk about the salvation of man. So it's all good. So... Without further ado, last week, the fall of man. This week, John Harper is going to give you the good news, salvation of man. Welcome, John Harper. Good evening, Calvary Church. Good evening. Well, Pastor Dan last week <clears throat> dealt with the fall of man, and um, we looked at all of the depravity of man and the sin that was in man last week. It would have been a very hard and thing for God to leave us in a fallen state. What if he just would have said, you know what, hey, <laughs> I'm going to just start all over again, that's it. But God loves us so much that he wouldn't leave us like he found us. Aren't you glad about that? And uh, when I think about Paul crying out in Romans chapter 7, you know, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? But then you know what Romans opens up in chapter 8? There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that great? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And I, I'm thinking about this whole area of the equip movement. <clears throat> and the, the fundamentals of the faith. And I could probably pose a question to you right now and ask, uh, how many out there are saved? Yeah. How many know that you're, you're saved and you know it? Let me see your hands. <laughs> how many, Jesus is not just Savior in your life, but he's Lord of your life let me see your hand. Because there, there's a difference. When I look at uh, salvation of man tonight, I, I don't want to be long in this, but I can't help but think that uh, 44 years ago, God saved me. And, and he pulled me out of a, a horrible pit like David said over in the Psalms. And I, I was a wretch undone. I don't want to review last week. But I thank God for salvation. September 5th, 1972 at 8 p.m., I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I got saved. And at 10 p.m. that evening, never ever hearing anyone speak in other tongues, I got filled with the Holy Spirit by myself in a basement in a Teen Challenge. And I, I was thinking about that, how the Lord saved, saved me. 
and fill me with his spirit and never relapsed, went back into that pit. But you know what? There's something about salvation and the salvation of man that man's only hope for of redemption is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Every time I, I watch the Passion of the Christ, and I watch it, try to watch it once a year, just as a reminder, and then how bloody it was. And I believe that God used crazy Mel Gibson to put that whole thing together to remind us of the great price that was paid. It's, it's the blood. It's, it's all about the blood. There's this subject tonight, salvation, has everything that we need in it. Now, <clears throat> I look at all of the other fundamentals of faith, and we need each one of those because it will add value to us in so many, so many different ways. But salvation, without salvation, we, we have nothing. But I started thinking about the blood of God's Son, the atoning work of the, of the blood, how it atoned for, for man's sin, and that one man loved me so much, he left the fineries of heaven and glory, came down to earth, and died for me. I used to say that if you were the only person on the planet, I think that Jesus would have came just for you and just for me. He, he loves us that much tonight. And when I think about salvation, I think about the conditions that we have in salvation. Although it's, it's free, God loved us, shed his blood, <clears throat> became our, our substitute. I, I started thinking about all of this, but I think about the conditions of, of salvation. And we look at one of the conditions of salvation, that salvation is received through repentance towards God. Repentance towards God. I was reading the sports page a few years back, and a guy named Jason Kidd, he was coaching the, uh, the New Jersey Nets or the New York Nets at the time. And uh, <clears throat> he said he was just becoming the coach. And he said that, I'm coming here, and I'm going to turn this team 360 degrees around. And I thought, I said, that is dumb. <laughs> what, a, what a dumb thought. I said, 360 degrees, I said, you're going to be right back where you started. And when I look at our Lord, it was 180. He pivoted us into a whole new, new direction. And when I look at repentance towards God is that we repent of our sins and we execute faith towards God and we, we want the Lord Jesus Christ uh, to come into our lives and it's by the washing of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now I was, I had kind of promised myself tonight that I wouldn't get into any trouble. <clears throat> But um, that was my middle name my mother gave me. Your middle name is your trouble. But when I think about there's, there's like two schools of thought um, in Christendom. And one is 
called Armenianism. And the other one is called Calvinism. Now, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but one guy named Calvin, he said that there is an unconditional election, that God has already pre-elected everyone who's going to be saved. And no matter what you do, as you walk with him, uh, you, could, you can never be lost. And he's already pre-selected everyone who would be saved and those who would be lost. A guy named Armenian, he says, well, I kind of disagree with that. He says, I believe that the whosoever, just say that with me, whosoever. He said, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the, the water of life freely. Whosoever, whosoever, man, that, that is a huge word. When I think about the, the population of the world, past, present, those to come, whosoever who was lost in sin, and then I don't know about you, but I was lost. I was lost. You know, we hear the sayings that um, I found Jesus, you know, and of course everybody says if you want to go to, if you want to know where Jesus is, you go to jail because that's where everybody finds him, you know, so. But I was, I was lost. And but when I think about these two schools of thought, I, I thank God for that side of whosoever, because I was a whoso, whosoever that was, that was lost. And I needed, and I needed Christ. We all needed Christ, but all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. But I thank God tonight for these conditions. And one of the conditions is that you got to want to be saved. <laughs> you got to want it. Huh? You remember that intercourse, that time, that situation when you met him? I, I had to know the hour and the time because I never want to forget how much he loved me and how much he saved me. And it says, by the, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, being justified. And I like this word justified because, and you probably heard this before if you've been in church for a while. It says, just as if I'd, just as if I'd never sinned. That's how much God loved me. But it was justified by grace, the grace of God. So this walk of God that I've been walking with him for 40 plus years now, I don't want to cheapen that grace. I don't want to cheapen that grace, but I love this being justified just as if I had never sinned. And man becomes an heir of God according to the hope of eternal life. An heir of God. This places us in a whole new position on the earth and a legal position because we become an heir. How many in here understand heirship? I just want to see your hand, what it means to be an, an heir. Recently, there was some property that my great-great-grandfather purchased back in the 30s. He was, he was killed over this property because the man wanted to buy it from him, and he didn't want to sell it. And he says, I'm not going to sell it. And years later, it's been sold. And I just sold the last piece of it 
few months ago, and I started thinking about I was an heir. I didn't do anything. Grandpa paid the price for the property, not only financially, but also with his life. And I started thinking about that, and I was an heir. I got a check in the mail from a lawyer that I got to pay taxes on now. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> but I got a check, and I didn't have to do anything to get that check, but just to be a part of the family of Gus Mackey. When I look at all of this and become an heir of God according to the hope of eternal life, there's a hope that God has placed on the inside of us, and if we don't have any hope, Paul says we are men most miserable. And I think that, I thank God for the hope, but I think for, thank God for eternal life. I'm a stage four cancer survivor. I'm, I'm still believing that it's in the survivor mode. Amen. And uh, a few months ago, the doctor said, you got eight months to live. If you don't try, try this, and we'll see where it goes after that. You got eight months to live. And I started thinking about it. I said, no, I don't. I got longer than eight months. <laughs> not, not, not only just on this earth, and if that was to come to pass, I've got eternal life. I've got eternal life. And I started thinking about salvation and what, how it plays in my, in my life. You know, you start putting everything together and say, well, you know what, I got to make sure this is in order. I got to make sure that Cookie Sue will eat, something happens to me and all that kind of stuff, have a place to stay and all those things, you know. I started thinking about that. Then I started thinking about, you know what, as God has taken care of us while I was here, he'll take care of her when I'm gone. But you know what? Eternal life means that we don't die. This tent folds up, but John Harper never dies. You, you'll never die. That's the great thing about salvation is that once we walk into it, we have it for eternity. Now, I, I'm kind of skating on some things right now, but when I start to think about you can't lose it, I've got this son that I love. His name is John Harper. My dad's John Harper. I'm John Harper. He's John Harper. His son's John Harper. So we got first, second, third, fourth John. And, <laughs> and, and, and sometimes my son really displeases me. He's right now, he, was, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ when he was a teenager in the youth group. And now he's not walking like I think he should walk or where the Bible says he should walk. And I, as many things that he has done, we have, I've never ceased to be his father. Things that I didn't like, I've never ceased to become, to be his dad. And when we come into Jesus Christ and we get saved, there's some things that sometimes that we do. Are you still here? Come on, smile at me. There's some things that we do that displeases the Father, but you never cease being his son or his daughter. 
You can have fellowship that is broken, but the relationship is still intact. That's why I love this thing called salvation, because God says no one's going to be able to pluck you out of my hand. Mm. I believe that Christians should be the most secure people on the planet. Not insecure, but the most secure people on the planet. There shouldn't be any insecurities on the inside of us because of what God has done in securing us in salvation. We shouldn't walk with insecurities or have inferiority complexes and all those things because salvation says, wow, there's healing for that. Salvation says that there's deliverance for that. Salvation says that, you know what? I was saved, I am being saved, and I shall be saved. Did you get it? September 5th, 1972, I was saved. The next day, I, I was, I'm being saved, being transformed constantly into his image. And I shall be saved no matter whether it's from death by body or rapture of the spirit. Amen. Are, are you feeling better? Are you feeling better? Or oh, you should. Let's look at some scripture tonight to kind of secure this, kind of, kind of lock it in if we could tonight. Before I get there, hmm, wow. Listen to this scripture over in Luke chapter 24, verse 47. He says, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. He says, but that repentance and forgiveness of sin. I had this lady in my church, my first church I pastored, and um, <laughs> she was, we went to a door, we knocked on the door, and she, she got saved. She was a, a Jehovah's Witness. Now, to convert one of them, and I know many of you, you shut your door and shut the blinds and play like you're not home when they knock on the door. But we were out knocking on doors. We did that back then. Her name was Christina. I'll never forget her. And so she gave her heart to the Lord that day, and she came to church Sunday morning. She publicly declared that she was a Christian, had repented of her sins, had forgiveness of her sins. Next Sunday, there was an altar call. She came to the altar. She repented of her sins. She asked for forgiveness of sin. Asked Jesus Christ to come into her life and to save her. I'm going like, something's wrong with this picture. The next week, I preach. She comes to the altar. The same thing happened. I go down and I said, listen, you don't have to do this anymore. You did it one time. You're a Christian. You're saved. It's locked in. Stop it. I said a little bit more gentle than that, but really that's what I said. You don't have to do it anymore. She says, well, I smoked a cigarette. I said, well, you, you, broke, you might have broke fellowship, but the relationship is still intact. Now, as I look at this tonight, here's a couple more scriptures that you need to hear. 
Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and he says, Jesus answered, Nicodemus asked, well, can a man be born again? Uh, can he go back into his mother's womb, be born a second time? And Jesus answered, truly I say to you, that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I thank God that there's a, a kingdom and a king that reigns over his kingdom. We are his subjects, and there is government in the kingdom. There are laws in the kingdom, and there are rules in the kingdom, but there's a king who's reigning over his kingdom, and he loves his subjects. He loved the people who is in his kingdom, and he's made way for them by being, here's a word we use, born again. Also another word used for salvation. Look at Romans, if you would, tonight. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15. He says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call upon him whom they have not believed? Belief is in there, the belief system of coming into Christ. He says, and, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Preaching the word. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When I read this and I hear that first soundbite, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, puts me in that whosoever will category. When I hear that first soundbite there and I hear that one in 15 that says, how are they to preach unless they are sent? I believe that every member of Calvary's church is a preacher. Now, you might not have that ordination thing going on. You may not have that license thing going on. But we are to preach and to declare to the lost the Word of God in such a way that everyone has opportunity to hear the Word. I believe that everyone needs to know what I know about Jesus Christ. Are you still with me? I believe that everyone should know what I know about Jesus Christ. And I make that very clear to everyone, whether it's family or on a plane. I've messed a lot of people up on a plane, I'll tell you that right now. I figured out something. When you're 30,000 feet in the air, they can't go anywhere. <laughs> but even just in Springfield, I have the Calvary card. Was it an invitation card, we call them? Is that what it is? And, and I'm talking to people, and I'm giving these cards out, and I'm sharing with them the gospel. I'm sharing with them salvation, that you can be saved, that there is a repentance, a pivot that you can have in your life, and you can turn and walk and live better than you're living now and in a new direction. It's directional. And I give them out. The other day I was in um, Panera. I was, you know, I was coming out of Panera, and these people were coming in. I said, stop. They were holding hands, a couple. I said, stop. Lovebirds. I didn't know them. They didn't know me. They said, oh, my word. Here's this black man. He's just... I said, how long have you been in love? And they started to tell me. 
They said, well, how long have you been dating? I mean, just some crazy, out-of-the-way stuff. And they said, well, for about 10 years now. I said, you know, God loves you. And I just started to share with them the gospel in a way where they said, listen, we don't even live near here. I said, that's okay, but you need to know Jesus Christ because he loves you more than you ever could imagine. And I gave him one of Calvary's cards anyway. <laughs> but I do that everywhere because I believe that the gospel of salvation will free you and set you free. Why? Because I was set free. Because you were set free, you should share your faith. And you should share the power of salvation that God can break the chains of sin and give you a new life and a new hope. Tonight, listen to this passage out of, out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Another version says, It's not by works, lest any man should, should boast. So I started thinking about this. If this grace has been given and all I had to do is to access it was by faith and to become justified. And it's not by anything that I have done, but I believe that I am obligated if someone saved me from a devil's hell and saved me and set me free, I think I am obligated and a debtor to tell others about this person who can set you free. This is not in our scripture line, but over in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that would believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. I'm saying, you know what? I'm a part of that Gentile thing there. I'm a part of that Gentile thing there. And so I'm a part of it. So here, if I'm a part of this eternal life, and salvation, I'm not going to be ashamed of it no matter where I go. Now, it says not a works as any man should boast. And I was talking about those two schools of thought earlier. And one thing about the other side, we would be probably on that Armenian side, the whosoever would will side, and the Calvinist side. But you know what? I think that we need to be so proactive in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's not works righteousness when we do that. And it's not some extra thing that we're going to get. I just feel that I'm obligated because he loved me so much that he didn't leave me like he found me. Here we go. In Titus chapter 2 verse 11, it says this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, to all people. In Titus chapter 3, verses 5 through 7, it says, He saved us. Mm. He saved us, not because of works done by righteousness or, or, or by, by self, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and the regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, he, who he poured out on us lavishly, richly, 
through Jesus Christ our Savior, hear it again, so being justified, just as if I never sinned, by his grace we become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's awesome stuff, folks. And we look at this tonight, that there, there is this evidence of salvation. Do your life show any, any evidence of salvation? Like I had to explain to Christine because Christine thought, she says, you know what, I don't feel saved. I said, honey, get over it. You'll never, it's not by feelings, but it's by, by faith. So you don't have to feel it, but you know what? There's something that happens on the inside of us. And in Romans 8, 16, he talks about an inner witness. He says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There is an inner witness that bears witness. The Holy Spirit of God bears witness. He came to live on the inside of me. There's something about this equip movement that I like. Because the fundamentals is so very important. Once you get the fundamentals down, and there is this inner witness that it takes place on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, there is this security that comes in walking with God so that when the devil is shaking your world, has the devil ever shook your world before? You got a diagnosis, said, hey, you're not going to make it. It's foreclosure on your house. and all. I mean, the shaking of the gates of hell sometimes comes to the child of God, but we are not afraid. I like that scripture over in Psalms. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear? There's this inner security that comes in knowing Christ. The evidence of salvation is that inward witness of the Spirit of God that I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. We're going to spend heaven together, eternity together. How about that? In heaven. How about that, huh? You know what? And there's a wall that's already built <clears throat> in heaven. And the vetting process. <laughs> Are you still here? <laughs> okay. Is have already been paid for your interest into heaven if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Salvation, rich and powerful. And outward evidence is this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, and to put on a new self. Put on a new self. He says, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Now, holiness is the foremost character of God. God is a holy God. And the people that he has saved are also holy because he makes them holy. But the one I like in this passage of Scripture, the word that I really love, is the word righteousness. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Bible talks about we were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness 
is the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without a sense of guilt, without a sense of sin, without a sense of inferiority, without a sense of insecurity. In the presence of a holy God, you can go to Father, Abba, Father, anytime without a sense of guilt, without a sense of inferiority, without a sense of condemnation. But it also, righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of Satan, the accuser of the brethren, when you've blown it, when you've missed it, and stand there without a sense of guilt, without a sense of sin, without a sense of condemnation, without a sense of inferiority, and say, I am a child of God because I have an inner witness of the Spirit on the inside of me validating that I'm a child of God. Amen. In 44 years, I never said, you know what, I don't feel like a Christian. I wake up every day, I'm a child of God. We allowed our two children to live in our house until they left. Hallelujah. <laughs> and never said, get out of this house. You can't live here. You're not a part of this family anymore. Never treated them like that. Wanted to a couple times, but, but I started thinking about the family of God and how much God loves us. He says, whosoever will, let him come and drink. Get this salvation on the inside of you. It's more than just repenting of sin, it's that. It's more than leaving an old life behind, and it's that. But it's also healing. It's also salvation deliverance. You get delivered. Oh, I could stand there for a little bit, huh? And sometimes some Christians I'm in trouble now, but need a little deliverance. Now, I'm not talking about all this crazy stuff, but I'm talking about where there's an anointing present to get the devil off of you. Amen. I said off of you. Amen? Because he's not in me. Because I don't believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. A true child of God cannot have two fathers. I got one father. His name is Jehovah. Hallelujah. Amen? He's God Almighty. Let me close this out tonight real quickly here. The outward evidence, and listen to Titus chapter 2, verse 12. It says, train us to renounce ungodliness. The word train comes from a Greek word, gymnasio, like you go into a gym and you start to exercise, and you start to train in a com like you're competing. He said it trains us to, re to renounce ungodliness and worldly passion and to live a self-control, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, I don't believe that he was talking about the timing right there at that time. But I believe it's in a pro progressive future tense that you can live godly in this present age. Amen. Come on now. You can live for God in this present age. I don't care how much evil that there is in the world, how many attacks that come from the enemy, you can live godly in this present age. 
You can live for God. I tell people, live for God because you can. Because we're not dealing with all of the insecurities. We're not dealing with it. God has already secured us in the beloved. Now, I want to read this in closing. And I think it's on your notes tonight. It said, God created us to worship him and to enjoy living in his presence. He longs for our company. He doesn't need it, but he longs for it. To spend eternity with us. That is why he sent Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. So that if we accept this amazing gift of salvation, we can spend eternity in the new world. He has in store for us. When Jesus returns to take the faithful and the obedient to live in the presence of God forever. I want you to stand with me just for a moment. And Paul, come get in just for a moment. This has stirred me again and again over the years about Christians who accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and not as their Lord. Because when you accept him as Lord and Savior, it's not just a fire escape deal. But the Lordship of Jesus Christ allows the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of you. And he'll talk to you and he'll speak to you so that you can live a godly life in this present age. No, no, don't go over there. Hmm. No, 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 no. Don't, don't do that. Oh, yeah, you can enjoy that. You can have fun doing that. Wow. That's okay. Did the Holy Spirit talk to you? Do you, do you talk to the Holy Spirit? You know what? I've learned something about 40 years of being married to Cookie. I had to talk to her. And she talks to me. There's a relationship that goes on. And I can hear her voice and detect her voice. If I, if I was in a room, and I was in a room one time for like 100 people, and I was looking for her. I had parked the car and I was coming in and I was looking for her. I said, I don't have to even see her. I'll just close my eyes and I'll listen for her voice. And I could hear her voice. She wasn't screaming. She wasn't talking loud. But I could hear her voice over all of the other voices. there, All, all, all the women that was in the room, all of them, I could hear her voice. I said, I just need to walk in this direction. And as I walked in that direction, there she was. The Holy Spirit of God, when you get to know him and you get to know his voice, you'll be able to hear his voice over all of the other voices. And the salvation that he's placed on the inside of you and that inner witness of the Holy Spirit will work constantly. And the more you get to know him, mm, you never talk divorce. Forty years, man. Being with the same woman, that's a miracle right there for me. 
and my family, and my family, that's a miracle right there. But I could hear a voice. Salvation is free, but it's expensive. Enjoy it. Live in it. Love it. Get to know him better. Paul said that you may know him better. I want to know him better. Holy Spirit. Amen? He's in this room right now. I can sense it. He's in this room. Bow your heads with me just for a moment. Father, there, your children are here today and the whosoevers are here, those who were lost, and now they've come into the kingdom of God, your kingdom, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us such a sensitivity to who you are and how you, how you roll, <laughs> how you move, oh God, and have your being. And Lord, I pray that the secure people in this house tonight will feel that security will feel those holy hugs that you give, but also that they would be sensitive to the holy nudges that you give to share you, to tell others who are lost about you, to encourage each other, and God, Lord, to build on this foundation. Lord, you are equipping the saints tonight for the work of the ministry. You are perfecting us in the fundamentals once again. You're bringing us back to the foundation you're being so that we can be rooted and grounded in love and rooted and grounded in you. So no matter what the world does, no matter how much it shakes, we're unmoved. Thank you, Lord, tonight for that kind of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise.